Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Nearly Numinous, hosted by Jacqueline and Rachel. Today is our first practitioner episode. This episode is a bit different than the ones we've done before, as it will focus less on academics and more on personal experience. We have a special guest, Megan O'Sullivan, who is here to talk to us about witchcraft. So Rachel, I'll let you introduce Megan. Megan is an old friend and housemate of mine who I met because she was my little froshy at Queens. And how long has it been now? Five, six years? Um, I feel like, yeah, five, six years. Yeah, um, and the rest is history. Um, We decided to have Megan on the podcast today, or we decided to ask Megan on the podcast today because uh, she has experience with witchcraft and she also has a degree in religious studies. So it's the perfect intersection for this show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm quite honored. Um, And thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak about this from a practitioner's point of view. I haven't done this yet, so I'm quite excited. I'm excited too. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with witchcraft, could you give a bit of a description about what it is? All right. Um, so witchcraft is a pretty loaded term. Um, there's a lot of connotations to it. But for me personally, it's my face. Um, it's my way of conceptualizing how the world works. And it's something that I've been very drawn to. Um, a way that people kind of see witchcraft in the 21st century can be through a religious point of view with a lot of new spiritual movements like neo-paganism, Wicca, witchcraft. These terms are not mutually exclusive. There's tons of different types of witchcraft, types of pagans, types of witches, types of people. So what's really nice about it is the term kind of allows you to open up and take what you want from it. And I have to stress that a lot because not all witches are Wiccans, not all Wiccans are witches, not all new pagans are Wiccans, etc. So you can, it's really what it means to you. And for me personally, witchcraft is a way to gain back my power. And it's a lot of fun to kind of take back your power in a very feminine way, but also take, have a relationship with nature and the world around you. And is witch the term that you identify with, not Wiccan or neo-pagan? Yes, I, I'm a witch. That's so fun to say sometimes. <laughs> um, not, neo-pagan is a bit more of like a traditional mindset, whereas my faith and my beliefs kind of having more 21st century translation into it because that is the the time period I live in um so the way that I kind of bring witchcraft into my life is I am very attuned to the world around me uh it's a very cyclical type of religion so taking into account the phases of the moon the phases of the seasons and the phases of life in general and it's it's a fun way to 
connect your sense of being to your environment, which I feel is kind of lost. And it kind of like, like lost in the 21st century with, you know, capitalism and a lot of exploitative uh, ways that we interact with our, our world. So it brings, it brings you back to the core. So what, what first got you interested in witchcraft? I've kind of been, <laughs> I think I've been a witch ever since I came out of the womb, essentially. Um, I've always been drawn ever since I was little to like, witches in movies, witches in books. I just love the aesthetic. Like my favorite movie when I was a kid was Kiki's Delivery Service. I was that crazy Harry Potter girl. <laughs> you know, I actually broke a VHS of The Philosopher's Stone when I was three years old because I watched it so much. Yeah. Um, and like, it's just kind of always been a part of me. I drew myself as a witch as a little girl a lot. I, even when I was six years old, I begged my parents for a black cat and we got one. His name was Pippin and he was, he was my buddy for 13 years. Um, and I also kind of was born into it as well. Like what you can, I guess you could consider, I could consider myself a hereditary witch in the sense that I had a witchy mentor growing up and to kind of um, introduce me to this aspect. I had a, a matriarchal figure, my aunt, and she was, she she's so cool. And I always really admired her and I still do because she just had this presence and this sort of magical allure. And I was like, why, why is she so powerful? Why, like, what is it about her? She was, she always wore like long flowy gowns and red tarot cards and just kind of commanded the presence in the room. And that, I guess that archetype of the witch really drew me in. And I was able to kind of translate that and find my own power and my sense of self. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to kind of explore it as much in my childhood slash teenagers because I did go to a Catholic high school. And uh, we know the relationship between Catholics and witches. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that was kind of, you know, put to side, but I was able to explore it and start my journey, I would say in 11th grade when I did a project on witchcraft that I had to get very special permission to from, uh, permission to do it actually, sorry. And it just kind of exploded from there. And then once I was able to kind of, go into my early 20s and make decisions on my own and my spirituality and through my religious studies degree I it just kind of exploded and I was able to embrace it a lot more so yeah and I mean like witches are cool and I want to be cool <laughs> so. <laughs> so you mentioned your aunt um that raises a question for me at that I've always wondered and I think a lot of other people have wondered is witchcraft a solitary or like a group practice can you do either or did you practice with your aunt so um witchcraft is it's really in the modern sense it can be whatever you want to be and that really attracts me to this this faith in a sense I don't do well with rules and so traditional religions and all of their customs and rules seem a bit suffocating so it's really nice with this. I'm able to make it what I want to be. 
Um, there are witches who definitely practice together and there's a lot of power in numbers, which is nice. And women getting together and, you know, taking back their power in that sense was great. And that would be like a coven situation. Um, me personally, I, I work alone. It, my faith and my spirituality has been a very solitary practice. So I would be considered a solitary witch. Um, I kind of, I never really practiced with my aunt, but she was the one who was able to pass down the wisdom and the knowledge and the tradition to help me formulate my own path. Um, I would be open to it. I'd love to join a coven, but uh, so far it's been by myself. Are there any particular holidays that you observe or um, any practices that you partake in? Yeah, um, so there, so for my conceptualization and what I follow is a it's found predominantly in the Wiccan faith we, we have this thing called like the wheel of the year and it emphasizes the really big like cyclical nature of this faith and the cyclical nature of the the earth so a lot of our practices are earth based and attuned to the environment around us like I said so uh, for me, I follow the wheel of the year and there's about eight different points in the year in which would be like, they would be kind of the, the Sabbaths, I guess. And um, they all kind of have their own little, uh, I don't say personality because it links to kind of the, the way that we conceptualize Mother Earth. Um, the way I see the earth is she goes through her three cycles of the year, starting out in the spring when she's the maiden, uh, the summer, the mother, when all the fruits of the harvest and re like ready to produce and ready to have that feminine sort of creative uh, energy. And then there's the crone, which is the older woman, and that's the winter. So each of the, the different Sabbaths of the year kind of point to a different phase of her life. And there's a lot of different ways you can celebrate these. Um, they all are kind of attuned to the like the, the solstice and the equinoxes. So like the summer and the winter solstice, the first day of spring, first day of fall. Then there's a couple of the little ones in, in between that help sort of reflect your own personal journeys. And you can, you know, do whatever you want with them, essentially. You can have big feasts on the summer solstice you can run around in the flowers and in the sun you can have a yule log at yule it really is up to you and how you're feeling in the moment i like to i like i like to have food i like to make food on these these holidays so stuff like fruits and vegetables or like foods that are in season are really really good um but uh, they're a lot of fun. And you know what? It's pretty forgiving. So if you forget or if you're not prepared, don't worry about it. You can probably just, you know, take time to reflect on those days or you can go full out. And that's what I really like about this space is it gives you a lot of leeway. Yeah, I really like that. It's like it's up to you and how you can be authentic to you and your own practice. You can kind of take what you want from it. Yeah, it'd be, it's, it's really nice because it's eclectic and um, embracing knowledges and truths from sort of every type of, I guess, witchcraft movement is good. Be very like careful 
with what you choose because some practices you need to do your research if you're especially going to venture off into other sort of uh, I don't want to say like um, race based but sort of other different cultures based so um, if you're going to be able to do that if you're going to do that, do your research. Some practices are closed, like sage. White sage is a closed practice. Do not buy white sage. That is this is closed practice. So um, you can kind of modify it. And if you're going to go down that route, I would say very much first do research into your, your own cultural pre-Christian tradition. So for me, that would be um, Celtic and Irish traditions and then if you want to venture off into other ones do your research and you can incorporate those into your faith as well so yeah it's it's pretty cool you can do whatever you want with it as long as you harm none uh, a big there is a Wiccan creed and I do this is what I was taught when I was first going into my practice is that do whatever you want, do whatever is good for you, as long as it harms nobody. So that's, it kind of, it, it's got a nice karmic twist to it. So you can do your spells, you can do your manifestations, you can do anything in your life, as long as it doesn't affect anybody else. So that would, that would include curses, or hexes, that's imposing will onto other people. And I believe that whatever you put out into the universe will come back to you either three times in magnitude or three times like consecutively you know go ahead and curse that person but be warned you know you might be you might be getting what you dish out and that was really really honed in and basically beaten into my head as a young kid one of the things that I'm interested in learning about more because of my research in eco-spirituality is about how witches and witchcraft interacts with the environment and ecology. So I would love it if you could speak on that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what, is, what I have found in my spiritual journey a lot is a lot of these movements that, ha that go back to pre-Christian traditions are very in tune with the land. And for me personally, I am a person who just gravitates towards being outdoors. I'm a very active person. A lot of my jobs, a lot of my hobbies have always been outdoors in nature. And it's where I have always felt a sense of calm, a sense of solace, and a sense of purpose is the natural world around me. Um, I have been very you know, concerned with ecological activism. Ever since I was small, I could see the impact of humans on the environment. And it's always just kind of been a thorn in my side, seeing the way that we treat the earth. And what's nice about the witchcraft and what sort of lured me to it is the fact that we worship the ground and the space around us. Because if you think about it, the world is, our earth is as amazing as possible. And if the, the fact that it can support and create life and all of it can be in harmony and union with each other when done right, I just don't see how that couldn't create a sense of awe in 
mysticism and just fascination. So a lot of the witchcraft movements, like the the Wiccan witchcraft movements, are since we do worship the earth, it's naturally a lot of witches are naturally inclined towards eco uh, activism and you know taking care of the earth that we we step on because it is our creator for all intents and purposes. Literally, you are made, the atoms and particles inside your body are the stuff that are the beautiful stars in our night sky are made up of as well. So if you take that point of view, we are the earth. So we need to take care of it, but we are also one with the earth and we are the, the same thing of it. So it just made sense for me to find a sense of spirituality, a sense of purpose in life, a sense of why are we on this earth? It's because we are a part of this earth. And it just, it, the earth is so pretty. We need to take care of mama earth. We've been so mean to her for so long. Agreed. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of the rituals and a lot of the, the mechanisms in which we express our faith have to do with the elements of the earth um literally burying tinctures into the ground to create your manifest manifestations into fruition is a huge thing you know saying thank you to the sun and the stars for allowing time for rest and then waking you up in the no- morning and just taking time to breathe in fresh mountain air and really go back to where you came from, from all the distractions of 21st century capitalist, you know, modernization and the concrete jungles that we live in. Um, I find myself, if I get really, really overwhelmed with whatever's going on in the world, like all the news updates on social media, all of, you know, what's the day-to-day bustle of information, the technological age, um, I, if I get really overwhelmed by that, which happens a lot, I just retreat back into nature and it's, it's hard to describe the, the, the sense of Zen, the sense of fulfillment, the sense of like awe that I get being in nature. And I've just felt that that has been, that's like the only true form of magic that we can find is in nature. So I've always just felt a very good connection and a lot of witches feel the same way as well. And so, yeah. And the, another big sort of form like leading into that is that not necessarily gender, but sort of male and female energies do exist in the universe. And I've seen it no matter what you present as, what you were born as, you can identify with this sort of yin and yang energy. And Mama Earth, she's got the feminine energy. She is literally the woman's, the, the female energy, the female body creates out of nothing. And if that's not magical, I don't know what else is. And our Earth has been doing that for as long as it's been around. It's been able to create so many different, like diverse species, diverse plants, all out of seemingly nothing. So the earth itself has this very feminine energy, but unfortunately with capitalism, with patriarchy, with heteronormativity, we've been kind of destroying her and having an imbalance 
of the male and female energy. Um, all the fires that have been happening, a lot of hu hustle and bustle of hustle culture could arguably be very male. So what's nice about witchcraft is it brings back the emphasis on the balance of both. And inherently witchcraft is a very feminist movement and I am a hardcore feminist. So I think it really, you know, really links in with that. Yeah, I've definitely noticed in spiritualities and religions across the world, there is this really strong connection between the feminine energy and nature. It's really cool to see that that is true for witchcraft as well. Yeah, exactly. And with witchcraft, like you really, the, the history of the term witch cannot be separated from the modern movement. And um, I think that it's a very pivotal time to be a witch because we're seeing the impacts and we're seeing the detriment that unfortunately the structure of our society has created. There's a long history of witches in which witches have been portrayed as participating in dark magic. And this has resulted in, as we know, the, persecu the persecution of witches, most often female, in um, the European witch trials, for example. Would you like to talk a bit about that history and um, the importance it has been on the development of witchcraft that, that you practice? Yeah, absolutely. So if we look at the witch that's been portrayed sort of modern recently and the witch that everybody knows, she's got many faces and it depends on, you know, who and where she's coming from. Um, the witch is most at its core the witch is an unapologetic woman it is a woman who is in her power and who has a sense of self that intimidates those around her matriarchal we've had a lot of matriarchal societies and throughout history and powerful women have been found everywhere but unfortunately the witch sort of became an archetype in the patriarchal systems that Catholicism and other, you know, religions came in through colonialism. And when the world was kind of switching to a more capitalist, you know, male dominated society. And this is where we find women of power, women of agency and women of wisdom didn't have a place, like they don't have a place in a society run by those structures. So the term witch was very much used as a weapon against a woman who threatened any of the structure, any of the facets of these structures, a woman who doesn't need the authority of a man, a woman who is knowledgeable in her own sense of self, a woman who is knowledgeable in the world around her and who has the secrets and the mysticism to the way of life. But if we're living in a society that, you know, is pressing maybe Catholic doctrine, any other form of knowledge is unacceptable. And that is when that term can be used as a weapon. And unfortunately, due to patriarchal systems, a lot of the women, a lot of the, the victims of the witch, the, the term witch have been women. And it was, you know, it's 
it, it just breaks my heart because we don't know a definite number of how many women have died due to that accusation, but it's huge. And it's been seen predominantly in European witch trials and the witch trials in Salem, but there's kind of been a form of it everywhere. So the history of the witch, the witch is a loaded term and has been a loaded term for a really long time. It's been used as a weapon against a powerful, knowledgeable, wise woman who has a sense of agency. But I think what's really cool is that modern witchcraft movements are reclaiming that title. And, you know, magic and spirituality aside, from a feminist point of view, being called a witch means that you are a woman who is unapologetically herself. And I, I love this quote, there's, I don't know where it's from, but the biggest threat to the patriarchy is a witch, a slut, and a feminist. And the women who like to follow, you know, modern witchcraft movements, at least the ones that I've surrounded myself with, really atone to that. So being a witch now is, calling yourself now is, or which now would be honestly just taking back your power. And it just pains me to hear that, you know, so many women, because the term has been, a, is a very feminine term, term um, have died because of being called a witch. And the fact that a woman with such, you know, power can cause, you know, such insecurities and such threat is, is, is quite cool. So being able to take back that term from a very bloody, sad history is kind of, is, is my ode, my modern ode to feminism. And, you know, the, some definitions of the witch, you know, portray her as an old hag who's something to be feared of, who has ill intent. But another little definition of her is a mysterious, alluring woman who has been a temptress, who tempts male sex. And so she's not all that bad. You know, some, she's got a very attractive quality to her as well, an attractive power. And it's nice to kind of take that back, essentially, and be, be that sexy witch that everybody wants to have around. Historically, compared to how we've tended to view witches as um, evil or troublemakers, that sort of thing, it seems like these days that people have a better view of them. I mean, you see them in TV, you see them in movies and books and all that. Do you think that there's overall a better understanding of what witchcraft is? And do you think it's, it's made a positive impact on society? I would really hope that it does. I, I still feel as though being called a witch is still a loaded term. Like, first of all, sometimes it's like, it's not taken seriously. You mm. know, they say, oh, I'm a witch and every, some people, some people tend to be very interested in that. And other people are like, oh, haha, she just was obsessed with Harry Potter as a kid. Like she thinks that she can 
twiddle her her fingers and like sparks will come out but it's I think the positive impact it could have is just allowing those who've been marginalized by the system that we live in to kind of gain back a power in a very countercultural way. Um, a lot of the witchcraft movements, like the modern witchcraft movements, like with Gerald Gardner and Alexandrian witches, did kind of come into fruition in the 60s, back when, you know, civil rights movements were coming out. So they all have a very impactful social impact in itself. It's very inherent in that way. Um, but uh, I would. I would love for maybe a bit more exposure to what a witch could be. I think it could be very impactful, especially with the ecological framework that it can bring as well as the feminist point of view. But the fact that it has an association with a supposedly mythical creature, a, a creature of fantasy, it may not be taken as seriously because they're like, oh, magic's not real. I beg to differ everyone's got a little bit of magic in themselves and just because I can't move something from across the room doesn't mean I don't have the power and the will to make stuff happen in my own real life um the aspects that I wish could be brought into the general public more from witchcraft would be a sense of agency a sense of self the confidence to unapologetically be yourself, but also the ecological teachings and your relationship with the ground itself would be a great sort of facet of the religion to be brought into the mainstream, which I, I, I hope will gain popularity in the, the foreseeable future. So Megan, what does a modern witch look like? What, like, what are her daily practices? I love this question. Um, so modern witches can come in all shapes and sizes, different colors, different heights, different genders, and like everything. It's really like what you feel to your core. Um, so for myself, my modern sort of daily life as a witch is just little, can come in like little things and big things. For a little thing that I do every day would be putting the spices in my cup of coffee. I put nutmeg, cardamom, and cinnamon in my coffee every day. And they, I kind of put little intentions of what I want to bring my bring into my day through that little morning ritual. Cinnamon has to do with luck. Nutmeg has to do with con- connection and harmony. And cardamom just tastes really, really good. Um, and uh, fun fact though, those spices that have to do with autumn and you know, sort of the the pumpkin spice spices all kind of have a spiritual, a a magical uh, meaning of warding off evil. So if anybody that says that they don't like pumpkin spice, uh, I think the spices are working. No, that's me. So like, that's just like a little thing or going for a walk in nature. I, I live in Montreal and we have the mount like a big mount royal park and if i really want to kind of connect with the spirit and sort of go to my own church i'll just take a huge hike up in 
the mountains, look at the colors, look at how the seasons are changing and knowing, noticing what's different. Um, also, uh, to bring witchcraft into like your daily life is just unapologetically being yourself. And if that means walking down the street with like badass witchy makeup, black lipstick, um, awesome like shoes, I'm dressing nicely. That's also a lot of fun. I love to dress up witchy. And you guys are catching me in a great month because the month of October, I, I, I forgot a witch outfit for every day of October. So that's a lot of fun. Um, as well as kind of like to taking um, account the moon cycles. I really like to work with the moon in my practice. So if anything in my daily life, if I want to kind of manifest some personal growth, manifest money, I'll check in to see what the moon phases is, moon phases are, and uh, also take into account which astrological sign they're in, because some, as those energies, you want to work with those energies, you don't want to work with those energies. Um, but also just kind of being in awe with what's around you. And it's, it's always in the back of my mind and everything that I do. So it's kind of hard to pick out what I do normally. Um, but yeah, like, uh, crystals are fun. Leaving those out and having your bra full of crystals. All oh, the amount of times that I've like gotten undressed at the end of the day and I have like six crystals just like fly out of my clothes. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> But like, even if you just need like an extra boost, an extra reminder of what you need to do with your extra, with your day, you can put a crystal to help manifest that energy. Um, I, I burn Palo Santo in my apartment if I just want to clear the negative gunk off of my day. And um, just taking care of yourself. And what's nice with this religion is like, if I miss a Sabbath, if I miss a full moon, what do you do? Like, it's no, that, not that big of a deal. I don't really have a, a deity looking down at me that's going to shun me for that. But there are deities that will look down at you and judge you for what your decision is. Like, you have to say that. Yeah, tell uh, a little about deities. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, deities are fun because they're kind of... Uh, like energies and higher powers that you can work with it's like a manifest a humanoid manifestation of an energy you want to pertain to and if you talk to different witches different deities sort of um attune to them and you could work with them by calling on their name intentionally and giving offerings to them uh as, like directly so uh my deity that kind of presented herself me and the one that I've been sort of drawn to ever since I was a young child was is Artemis. Um, I've got a really cool story actually of what I think was an, uh, a situation where she reached out to me. Um, this summer uh, when I was uh, tree planting out in BC, we had a day where um, I, like, I maybe was planting trees for three hours or sorry 30 minutes. Um, it was just start the start of the day. And uh, we had to evacuate our work site because there were three bears that came out and actually charged at my boss. <laughs> and so uh, we were all kind of like really scared, like we're out in the middle of the woods. It was a mama bear and two cubs. We were like, okay, this is not good. And we we're all just kind of sitting around waiting, kind of nervous and anxiously chatting with each other. 
And I looked down into the grass and I see this like blue flickering light in the grass in the middle of the woods. I'm like, what the heck is this? And it was a pen. So maybe somebody dropped this pen, I don't know. But flat, like the only word that was on this pen was Artemis. I was like, whoa, all right. And um, traditionally Artemis is her, she is the, uh, she's the huntress and she's the forever maiden. She is the counterpart to Apollo, that's her twin brother. And she is the goddess of the moon. And I have always been so attracted to the moon. I have her tattooed on my hand. It's been a sense of awe for me ever since I was a young girl. And um, her shtick is she's the goddess of everything wild. She is the one in the woods on her own, completely independent. And I like to embody those characteristics in myself. Fun fact, she's also the goddess of young women because in Greek tradition, a young woman who is not yet married is considered of the wild. And that is the archetype that I want to embody for the rest of my life. She, she's, a cool, she's a cool lady. And I like to call upon her if I'm ever kind of in a situation where I need some guidance. So did you grow up seeing witches on TV and in movies? And did that influence you in any way? A hundred percent, yes. I love anything to do with witches and the witches stories they have so much variability into them and it's so much fun to kind of see what form she can take and just naturally as a kid I had the affinity for witch stories and witch movies and anything like that what are your favorites my favorite Hermione Granger has been a huge sort of role model in art like archetype in my life she is a force to be reckoned with and I think Emma Watson did a great job of portraying her um my all-time favorite portrayal of the witch would be Alice Hoffman her novels um Practical Magic The Lessons of Magic and The Rules of Magic it also was a movie it came out as a movie in the 90s with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman and it's just so wholesome it's my favorite and it's the one that was passed like my aunt passed down these books to me and there's a lot of great little knowledge in these, these books about how these women deal with their daily lives like magic isn't a great theme of it it's very it's translated into a very like modern way but it's a great story in looking at the reality of how the relationships between women, familiar relationships or friend relationships really influence each other. That's a good one. This is a love-hate relationship for the chilling adventures of Sabrina. <laughs> love-hate relationship with that one. Uh, that? I, I binged it completely. Um, the aesthetic, the, the visuals, the kind of witchy atmosphere is so great. I love everything about it. You know, the, the outfits, the, the house that Sabrina lives in, her aunts. It was just very entertaining. But dang it, they freaking missed the mark on the actual witchcraft part, and that makes me really angry. <laughs> um, they, they missed it to the point that uh, it resulted in a lawsuit with Netflix. Um, oh I didn't know that yeah so 
the witches and Sabrina are basically an inverse of Christianity. A lot of their faith and their ritual talking about like the black sacrament, the black baptism. I'm like, guys, come on. That's not really what this is. And you're just perpetuating the like devil relationship, which is what they decided to choose. But there's actually no devil in our faith. So the whole conception of like, which is where the mistresses of the devil is quite false. Um, they also used the statue of Beelzebub that was uh, very sacred to the Church of Satan, and they used it in a in an appropriate way, and they didn't use it properly. So that's why they got sued. But like, I don't know the whole the whole vibe of the show is great, and also Harvey, he's got mad himbo energy, and I need that. I need I need a, a Harvey himbo so. <laughs> Oh, we love Harvey. Oh, we love Harvey. We do. One of the other recent popular TV shows, including Witches, is uh, American Horror Story Coven, which um, I saw years ago and I totally forget. But what did you what did you think about that? It's a masterpiece. Oh, really? It, oh, I love I love it. Um, that show did a very good job of kind of conceptualizing like what a modern witch could look like um obviously they had to do it within only like a season of the tv show so they couldn't go that in depth but I really like how they sort of brought the European witches in conversation with the New Orleans voodoo magic which was super cool and it was the aesthetics were great the the storyline was awesome it is a lot of badass female characters in it it was scary it was sexy it was everything and you can really see the power that these women have and like I was low-key scared of all the women on the show but also low-key in love with them all at the end and I mean, they brought Stevie Nicks in, so, so spoiler alert, Stevie Nicks makes an appearance, and that just sealed the deal for me. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. Highly would recommend. I definitely, if I were to be one of the witches in the show, I'd definitely be Misty Day. Yeah. Just like live, living in the woods by myself with all my alligators. With your like alligators? That. I forget that uh, that was in the show, but I'll, I'll take your word for it that there were alligators. <laughs> <laughs> alligators and steamy necks, all you need. The tagline of the season. <laughs> so the last bit of pop culture that I really, really like, and if you really want to kind of see what a modern witch could look like as well, is the 90s movie The Craft. Uh, it's really good at portraying witches modern witchcraft and how rituals can be done in sort of a a modern sense um but it also is a good kind of storytelling about how you know what you put out into the universe will come back at you three times fold and like realizing if you do have the like an agency and a power using it for good is a a big a big part of witchcraft and you know, the the whole we are the weirdos that you need to worry about, mister, is one of my life philosophies as well. So yes, the craft. Recommend the craft. 
So if anybody is like interested to kind of get the see the philosophy of the witch, maybe get a little bit of insight into some practices and start a witchy journey if it does call to you. A really, really good book that I enjoy so much and has helped me a lot in my spiritual journey is the book by uh, Lisa Lister. It's called Witch Unleashed, Unleashed, Untamed, and Unapologetic. And it's written in a very awesome tongue-in-cheek way by a, uh, a witch out in the UK, Lisa. And she talked about her personal her personal journey with it can she's a really good guide to kind of start your journey listen to the rules and she really writes a great introduction into how to navigate a very complicated sort of path of the witchcraft neo-pagan new spirituality sort of trajectory and she just has a very eloquent way of writing about it and it apply it, it came out recently so it does apply to a modern context which I also really love as well and it's it's very empowering I get very feministy after I read it and the feminist fires are definitely ignited in that book so if anybody is interested you feel the call of the witch or you think you're a witch yourself I would recommend picking up that book Previously, you mentioned astrology, which is a really interesting subject to me, and I wanted to know if you want to talk about that a bit more. Of course I want to talk about astrology. (laughs) I have, like, astrology constellations tattooed all over myself, so I'm very much a a subscriber to it. Astrology is fun. It's... uh, I actually kind of started following it a bit ironically and then as these things do you kind of take it literally it's like TikTok you like get on it to see what it's about and then you just go down the rabbit hole and you don't know how to get out uh astrology is cool it's like I can understand why people may laugh at it because there is no scientific value for it um or at least some people don't think so whereas I'd like I'd like to believe that there is a a bit more of a a truth to it um, astrology is a lot more complicated than people traditionally think. Like when they see the zo- your horoscope in the newspaper, they kind of like, some people like to laugh at that and think that there's no validity to it. But there's so many different facets of astrology that you have to take into account when using it properly, if you would say, I guess. Um, a whole person is not just the one sign that uh, people, you know, popularly know. You know, like, if you would look up a your sign in a newspaper's horoscope, you'd be looking at your sun sign, whereas you actually have 11 signs. And different planets and different signs mean, would represent sort of different ways in which your personality shows up. So um, if you were going to go into astrology, you would kind of need to take, first you need to get your birth chart done. You can get that done real quick. CoStar is a great app. You can look at your your friend's birth charts as well. Um, You need to know the date you were born, the time of day you were born, and the location um, to get the full picture. And that's really really complicated you could probably do a whole episode on it on yourself I'm not going to get into the chart 
too much. But um, if you were gonna take like the big three important signs of the chart, uh, you would have to look at your sun, moon, and your rising sign. Um, uh, your sun sign is the sign that the sun was in when you were born. So that's, again, that's the one that you would know like based on your birth date. Uh, your moon sign is the sign that the moon was in when you were born. And that sort of reflects your innermost emotion. So if you were alone by yourself, most comfortable, no external influences whatsoever, that is the true sort of core of yourself. Your rising sign is, I don't want to say mask, but it's the appearance that you put out to the world. And it's what the world sees you as. Whereas the sun sign is your role, your core, and what you are, like your, your path in this life, essentially. And the only way to know those is if you get your birth chart done. So have you guys gotten your birth chart done? I don't think so. I think I might have done it once on an app or something, but I can't remember the, the oh, results. Okay. Yeah. Mine's done. Okay, I put it on CoStar. Right. I actually know yours. Yeah, you know mine better than I do. <laughs> Your sun is a Taurus. Your rising is a Sagittarius, and your moon is a Taurus. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> oh, maybe. I, I just, I just know that. I guess. What, what's your sun sign, uh, Jacqueline? Yeah, I'm a Virgo. Virgos. Oh, I love Virgos. Virgos are great. So, can I ask astrologically profile your sun sign? Yeah, go for it. Cool. Okay, so Virgos are in September. They're an Earth sign. And um, they're very practical, organized, hardworking people. They can kind of be a bit of people pleasers, a little bit. Like, they care for people a lot. Um, oh, God, I sound like an astrology nerd. Um, <laughs> they are... Virgos are actually um, the polar opposite to my sign, which makes it, it makes us kind of compatible. We are, you know, opposites attract type deal. So you're very pragmatic on this earth, practical people. You look at logic, very studious people who take their work very seriously. Um, my brother, my little brother, is one, and he's he's uh, it's quite obvious. Rachel, you're a Taurus too. You're an Earth sign too. Yes, I am. Tauruses are fun because they're very stubborn people. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, I love you. It's fine. <laughs> um, no, Tauruses are great because they're stubborn people, but they're also very caring, grounded. They give the best advice. They're, you know, they kind of have this reputation to be uh, not consumed with material things but they like the nice things of life um and they the way that they describe tauruses is like a bull but a bull smelling flowers a bull smelling flowers yeah a little bit intimidating that. stubborn powerful on the outside but very chill and calm on the inside and virgos they are their representation is of like the virgin woman i guess and they're very they're also caretakers. They have a very maternal aspect to them. They're very practical. Like they're the mom that's like, the mom that really pushes you to get stuff done and, you know, be very hardworking, which is awesome. So great, two great signs. I love, I love all the signs. What about your sign? Tell us about yours. 
Oh, me? Mm-hmm. I'm a Pisces. And it makes total sense as to why I'm telling you guys about your birth charts, because that's what Pisces do. Um, Pisces are fun. Um, if anybody were to be intuitive mediums, witches, psychics, they would be Pisces. Uh, Pisces are the end of the zodiac. So like the zodiac, if you were to kind of look at it as a whole, they kind of like to put it as like the life stages of a person. Um, so Aries being the baby of the Zodiac, Pisces are the wise old people. And they also say that um, Pisces are most likely souls that have been reincarnated multiple times, like they're old souls. I got Pisces five times in my chart. So I think I've been around here for maybe a little bit long. <laughs> um, they're very dreamy people. They don't really exist in this reality which is very true. I'm a space cadet and I'm never here ever. It's hard to get me to focus on stuff because I'm always daydreaming. Um, they're also like the most sensitive sign of the Zodiac. Yeah, so Pisces, they, um, they're very sensitive because they're just so in tune and connected to everything that's going around them. Like a lot of highly sensitive people sometimes are Pisces. Um, but they are also the ones that are said to have kind of maybe connection to the spirit realm because they are the end of the zodiac, so the end of life. So they're actually represented as death in the life cycle, which is very interesting. Um, fun fact, Pisces aren't crybabies. Cancers with a crybaby zodiac. I'm sorry. No, they're not. Is that a stereotype? Yes. That Pisces yes. are crybabies? Yes, because we just are so sensitive. But it's just because we are in tune to a lot of external energies. Like some examples of Pisces, like they, if a Pisces walks into the room and before they even got there, somebody insulted another person, they'll feel it immediately. And you know what's really great if you want to learn about astrology? Astrology TikTok is a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah. I've heard of uh, witch talk, but not a astrology TikTok. You can, you can find a lot of astrology on which talk as well. Yeah, I'm sure they overlap. I'm wondering, are tarot cards a part of your practice? Yes, very much so. I'd say that they're a huge part of my practice. Um, I've been reading tarot for about six years. Um, I, that practice was actually passed down to me from my aunt. Um, she's, she's been reading tarot cards for 20 plus years. And um, I was always very interested into it. I loved using it as a tool to kind of see what the bigger picture is, kind of clarify what's going on in my life, what energies are going on in my life. Um, and it's really fun. Uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, tarot cards can sometimes be a, be a lot to handle. Like the stereotype of tarot cards is like, oh, you're getting your future told. There's a tall, dark man coming into your future. But realistically, tarot is honestly telling you and bringing things into light that you already know. It's your subconscious kind of poking its way and making itself known. So I like to say tarot cards are calling me out on my BS a lot. (laughs) And they have done that a lot. Um, Tarot is pretty sacred to me I treat it in a very um sacred 
way. I like to have a clear space. I like to cleanse. I like to meditate and I like to take it very seriously. Um, uh, cause it's a, it's a good tool to kind of see where you are in your life. And there are no bad tarot cards. Don't be scared of the death card because it says death. It's a great card. For anybody else who's listening, if you are interested in tarot, definitely do a lot of research and take the time to learn uh, the ways it can be used in a positive way, but also take time to learn the ways it can be used in a negative way. Um, if I were to give any advice to anybody who get to start tarot or you know potentially get their tarot cards read, um, I use tarot in a very intimate way to kind of talk to a person and use it as a conversation. Um, I generally try not to go to um, tarot cards. Like, I don't like to go to a tarot card reading in like a very, oh, we'll just see what's going on. You know, like this is sleazy type deal. It's like, no, these are, these are quite, quite sacred. It's a quite sacred practice to a lot of witches. Um, so if you're going to be getting it done, go in with a very open mind, mind frame, a respectful mind frame, like kind of like the way you would go if a, a person decided to take you to their church. Treat in a very respectful way that way. I do have a little anecdote, actually, cute little one. Um, my aunt was reading, told me that she was reading a tarot, doing a reading for a girl a couple years ago. And this, this girl was not being too respectful she didn't like the answers my aunt was giving her um so she tried to like shuffle those cards again and ask it in a different way and the same cards actually came up for that reading as well yeah the uh the ways that people usually talk about tarot these days are um sort of like a game or just like a fun party trick so it's it's interesting to learn that it really shouldn't be taken that way at least it shouldn't be taken out of context that way. So thank you for thank you for telling us that. And I think that's the end of our show. So Megan, thank you so much for coming on to Nearly Numinous with Jacqueline and I. We had a really good time. You gave us a lot of great information and I learned a lot today. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences. Thank you so much for having me on the show and letting me talk about it from a practitioner's point of view. It was a lot more intimidating than I thought, but I had a lot of fun with it. And uh, if anybody is interested in this faith or, you know, has some things that resonate with them, it's totally, I, I really hope that some of these actually did, some of this stuff did resonate. And, you know, there's a little witch in all of us as, is a good quote from Practical Magic if you want to watch it. And I fundamentally believe that's true. We all have our own inner magic and witchcraft is just one way to find it.